1: Welcome, everybody, to Dragon Quest FM, where we talk about and obsess over Dragon Quest. I'm Austin. I'm just BJ today. <laughs> you started to do a high-pitched voice, so I thought maybe uh, it was going to be like related to our subject today. Mm-hmm. But then nope, you, that's offensive. But, but then you just quit, so I wasn't sure. Uh, this week, though, we're continuing our talks into archetypes in Dragon Quest games. So far, we've discussed the old man and mm-hmm. the best friend archetypes, and today we're talking all about woman warriors. Those you know tough ladies—they can kick everybody's butts. They don't need no man to rescue them. That's what my wife always says. I don't need no man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can totally. Yeah, I've heard her say it.
1: Yeah, even when we were dating, like for like ten years now, uh, if I offer to help my wife with something, half the time she's like, "I don't need no man."
0: <laughs> <laughs> and it's true.
1: And it's true. Yeah, she's a tough lady. So anyway, that's what I thought about when we were uh, getting ready to do this episode. I just picture my wife, Grace looking at me and saying, I don't need no man with like all of her sass. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I think of. So there you go. Dragon Quest, though, has a pretty good history of strong female characters uh, in the series. And so today we're going to talk about some of those. Uh, before we do that, though, let's talk a little bit about uh, woman warrior archetypes, what that kind of thing means. So woman warrior to me, OK, I mean, it's a super old archetype. But also you have to look at the fact that it's been suppressed in a lot of societies and cultures, uh, for like a thousand years or more.
0: Yeah. Probably longer than that. I would say.
1: Yeah. Due to like, you know, misogyny and sexism and right. things like that.
0: But it's still,
1: the fact is it's existed. I mean, you can suppress something, but it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And it's basically just usually strong female soldier or warrior, a knight even, uh, who, who saves her people. I think of when I think of this, like a lot of times I think about like Joan of Arc and like, uh, Fa Mulan. Yeah. For instance, uh, are kind of like two that I always think about as being, uh, like kind of well-known cultural, uh, woman warriors. For some reason, a lot of the stories have them cutting their hair, uh, to appear more boyish. And I've always, wondered. Hate it. I've always wondered if that was like a thing that's developed over time because they were like, Oh, to be really strong, they got to look more like a man or, if that had always existed. You know what I mean? Like if the original iterations of these stories, that wasn't a thing. But then it changed as time went on.
0: I I hate it too. So like, have you seen the new Mulan movie that came out no. on Disney Plus? Okay, so we watched it the other night. We paid the 30 bucks and actually wanted to see it because we were planning on going to see it in the theater anyway. And so we watch it and at one point in the movie, when she decides to give up uh, the masquerade, she lets her hair down and she has these long, beautiful flowing, like her hair is just, just absolutely gorgeous. And she's riding this horse and it's flowing in the wind. And I just, I'm sitting there on the couch and I say out loud, I'm like, man, somebody's going to grab that, uh, that hair. She should not have let that down. And that's the thing. The cutting the hair may not be more boyish. It's cutting the hair because it's a, it's a hindrance when you're fighting. Like it's a, it's a, a handicap that you have. So I don't know if that's part of it, but I know like the way that it's seen is definitely to become more masculine, but it really does serve a purpose. There's a reason that, that, any warrior doesn't tend to have long hair flowing around it's the reason that that mma fighters shave their heads it's uh, somebody's going to get a big big handful of hair and yank your scalp off
1: (laughs) i don't know why uh that cracked me up and it also made me think (laughs) about uh john favreau's character on friends you know he dates monica and he's like the super rich guy but then he gets hardcore into into mma fighting
0: Oh my goodness, I don't remember that at all. What season is that? I need to go see it.
1: I don't know. It's like one of my favorite story arcs that exists in Friends and John Fav- I mean, I love John Fafro anyway. Yeah, he's like this super rich guy that dates Monica, and they have a really good relationship. And then on sitcoms, you need a good reason to break a couple up, right?
0: And MMA is theirs,
1: nice. And and so for theirs, I don't know why they decided to go this route because he was just a completely down to earth, good dude. His character was and. Then all of a sudden he just kind of went off the rails and it was like, I have so much money, I don't know what to do with it. I'm gonna take up MMA fighting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't remember this part actually, so I gotta go back and watch that. And speaking of strong like women warriors, like those women warrior archetypes, Monica is totally that.
1: Oh, Monica. Like that
0: hardcore that is uh I don't need no man, Monica.
1: Yeah. So what's interesting about this is uh, my wife and I like uh, we've we've rewatched Friends a few times uh, since it came on Netflix. It's, yeah. it's
0: not on there anymore, but it's on HBO Max though. We subscribed to that recently, so uh, we've been watching it again. So we rewatch it and kind of like everybody who
1: grew up with Friends or maybe watched it for the first time on Netflix, you have that discussion about like which friend is your favorite and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because Monica, she is Grace's least favorite character out of all of them. Oh wow. Yeah. And she's my second favorite character in the whole on the whole show. She's my favorite female character and my second favorite character. I like Chandler. Huh. I like Chandler the best for those who were who were listening and were like, ooh, what's Austin's favorite <laughs> friend? It's Chandler. But Monica is a close second there.
0: Joey is my favorite and then probably Phoebe.
1: Really? See, and they're yep. two they're two of my least favorites. Uh, because because here's the reason I like Monica, okay? I really like strong personalities. I, I like strong, right. I like strong women. I mean, I said in a previous episode I like weird women. My wife, if she's two things, it's weird and strong.
0: It's true. <laughs> it is 100 percent true.
1: She will kick my butt if she needs to, but she'll be weird while she's doing it. Like she'll like imitate an orc from Lord of the Rings. Yeah, that's about <laughs>
0: about to say she's gonna make a <laughs> voice like and <"Argh>, I'm <laughs> kicking your butt. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so so I think that's part of it is just, like, I, I like strong female characters, and I don't really like stupid people, even in real <laughs> life. And so so for me, like, Monica is probably my favorite, whereas Joey is probably my least favorite character, and Grace is, like, the opposite, because she kind of likes the funny,
0: dumb characters. Right, I love I love funny, dumb characters.
1: Yeah, so... Anyway, so there's a really long unnecessary friends discussion it, it's true. <laughs> for anybody and who is still listening. There's like th- there's like three people still listening because everybody like like downloaded this and was listening and then was like, "What the heck? I thought this was a Dragon Quest podcast." And then everybody left because and
0: it, it, it's actually uh, the FM stands for uh, Friends Mania. <laughs>
1: Dragon Quest Friends Mania.
0: Woo! It, it's a it's a it's a hybrid podcast. Now yeah. we'll be there for you. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. I'm clapping. This is me giving you applause. Okay, thanks. (laughs) So
1: getting into women in Dragon Quest. So kind of like in our best friends discussion, because of the way Dragon Quest 1 works, it didn't really have a best friend. It doesn't really have a woman warrior archetype at all. Really the only female character who even has a name is a princess that needs you to rescue her. So she's like the dead end opposite of what we're talking about today. Dragon Quest 2, though, has the Princess of Moonbrook, who doesn't necessarily fit this archetype perfectly, because a lot of times, especially in RPGs, we should mention this at least for a minute, is that a lot of times the female characters take on that like caretaker nurse role, right? Right. They're, They're the white mage, like in Final Fantasy games, almost exclusively.
0: And I think there's a big problem with that. And I mean, I find myself going into that route when I'm allowed to, uh, to choose characters. I tend to make women the, the, the white mages or the casters. But I also realized when I was playing DQ3 that, uh, it was because I like the costumes better. I like the sprites of the uh, women casters better than I like the male casters. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's. Ingrained sexism, yes, but it's also like, I think this is nicer to look at. Like, and not even like, it's DQ3, so it's not like a sexualized thing. It's like, this is just a better model.
1: <laughs> you just really like those pixels. I do, man.
0: <laughs> look at the pixels on her.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, so I think for me, the princess of Moonbrook, she doesn't necessarily fit the archetype because she's more of a caretaker kind of uh, archetype, but she's awesome and. Everyone would be dead long, long ago if it weren't for her. It's true. Like in a lot of ways, she's the most important character, like in that game. I mean, I mean, I get it. The Prince of Minhale is cool and the main hero, and he's you and all that kind of stuff. But like the Princess of Moonbrook keeps you alive and doesn't die all the time like the Prince of Canic. So mm. I mean, she's definitely she's definitely a tough character. It's true. I think for me, really, the first instance of this in Dragon Quest is the female urdric.
0: Oh yeah.
1: You know Dragon Quest 3 let you choose between a man and a woman and it really doesn't change anything other than you know you're a man or a woman. So right. I mean the the really first true like woman warrior in a Dragon Quest game I would say c- comes from female urdric.
0: And then you can also have a uh, a woman character be one a warrior uh, a, a literal woman warrior in uh, when you choose your party in that one. And again, I chose that one because I like that sprite better. I actually like that pink armor that the characters are put in uh-huh. uh, for warrior, and uh, I wanted that particular uh, look in my party.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That makes I mean that makes sense to me. Then Dragon Quest Four, uh, it's interesting talking about the. Like, Caretaker nurse kind of archetype here is because you have Elena who is definitely a the woman warrior here. Okay. I mean she's one of the she's one of the toughest ladies in all of Dragon Quest in any video game. I mean that's why she's a fan favorite. People love her because she hits really hard, she's fast, she's evasive, she's awesome. And then you have Kirill, the man who functions as the caretaker role.
0: Yeah, and Boria too. Boria and Kirill are there to support her which I think is is fantastic because Elena Elena really does go and just beat things to death. Like she has no abilities, but she beats things to death. (laughs) And she has these two dudes who follow her like handmaidens. And I think it's great.
1: Yeah, it's a nice little uh, subversion there, I think. Like Elena is probably at the top of the list in terms of just like tough ladies who can take care of their own because, I mean, even though Jade is really tough in 11, I know we're going to talk about her in a little while, that she still has to get rescued, you know, and stuff. Whereas, whereas Elena pretty much can take care of herself. Yeah.
0: I don't think, I don't think Elena ever, if I remember right, ever gets into a situation where she is the damsel in distress.
1: You do have to go when you first meet her in chapter five, you do have to go and help her out getting the, I think it's like an herb or something. Yeah. Uh, remember, because uh, because of there's like a sickness and everything. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. But she's not like trapped in, in a hostage situation kind of thing.
1: Oh, yeah. It's not like uh, Princess Leia is trapped on a Death Star and we got to right. go get her. Yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. not like that kind of thing
0: yeah because i think that there's a there's a big difference in someone who is being trapped and needs rescuing which is actually a big problem i feel like with jade uh because her character would not have been in that situation but um with elena like there's a difference because she just needs the help like that is in no way uh showing weakness in being able to ask for help uh whereas uh like being put into a hostage situation implies uh, that kind of weakness that, that you can't rescue yourself and need someone to come in. And then you also look at DQ four where you could be the uh, male or female character at the beginning. And I actually chose to play as the heroine on that one. Yeah, and me too. I didn't actually, I actually wish I hadn't because I don't like that sprite as much. Yeah, me um, and, uh, but I did like that. It always referred to uh, them as a heroine. in in the story as opposed to uh, being a hero that they did change the uh, structure of the script for that. Mm -hmm.
1: I know it's not shameless self-promotion time yet, but I'm going to talk about my dragon quest book (laughs) (laughs) Uh, on sale now on amazon.com. But one of the things, you know, when I reached out and asked people to submit their own stories and everything for consideration in the book, one thing that stuck out to me was how many emails I got, because I got, I got a, probably a couple dozen and, and several of them made it into the book. Some people who've read the book, they probably know this already. For people who haven't, I'll tell you about it. Is how many people mentioned female Erdrich and Elena? Mm. And how many women mentioned female Erdrich and Elena as being the reasons that they got into video games because those were the first games they remembered playing where they could be a lady and, and kick butt. Awesome. And I think I think that's a pretty important thing to think about for the time period, too, because a lot of the other games like Mario games were big. You're playing as Mario and you're always trying to rescue Princess Peach kind of thing. You know, you look at the other video games that were really big there in the late 80s, early 90s. And it's one of those things that I probably as a man, let's be honest, uh, hadn't necessarily
0: thought of before. No, of course not. Um, I mean, that that and that is that that being a, a man, we take that for granted. And as a child, especially, we took that for granted.
1: Yeah. And so I just, I thought it was really cool. And that's why I I included several of those stories in the book is because just how I hadn't thought of that before. And then when I read like the first one, I was like, oh, cool. You know, that's a, that's an interesting take. And one of the ones that made it into the, into the book was like the email that I was sent, like even started off with, like, was like, uh, Dragon Quest is for girls too, or something like that. I can't remember right. the direct quote. It's in the book. But anyway, and I just thought that was like a very interesting like take on it. And it was one that I necessarily hadn't thought of before. And so, uh, you know, when I saw the first one, I was like, oh, cool. This is, a, this is a pretty interesting take on it. And then when I saw like five or six more, I was like, wow, this seems to be a pretty common thing. And then by the end of it, I had I had probably a couple dozen that, that mentioned it. If that wasn't like the like basis of their entire email, that was like it was at least mentioned there.
0: Oh, wow. Nice.
1: I just thought anyway, I just thought it was cool.
0: (laughs) And I mean, this is a very that's a very important thing to to bring up and talk about when you get that choice of like the uh, the woman Erdrick or to play as Elena being one of the main characters here. Because like even just a couple of years ago, when Let's Go Pikachu was new, the Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee, uh, the first year they were out, my nephew and uh, my sister-in-law got me and him a copy of that for Christmas. Or I think he got it a little bit later. Actually, he borrowed mine. He got, but we got sword together. But we, when he was sitting on Christmas Day, uh, and we were playing this, he I brought my Switch uh, to play games, and he saw me create a female character. And like my my seven or eight year old nephew was like, "Why? Why did you? Why are you a girl?" Uh, because it never crossed his mind to be one. I was like. I don't know. It's fun. Like, I I just like the way she looks like I like that character. I just wanted to play as, and he was like, but why aren't you a boy? You're a boy. And I'm like, you don't have to play as a, as a boy just because you're a boy. I was like, I like playing as a girl. Like I like her better. He's like, Oh, okay. And just went on. Like it was, it's those kinds of interactions. I think that are really important to have because you don't put it need. It doesn't need to be any more than that. It's an, Oh, okay. Kind of thing where, as a dude, I take that for granted. But you know, when you first see that kind of thing, that's really important to be able to see that kind of uh, choice being given to the to the player.
1: Mm-hmm. So, Dragon Quest Five, I think that's where we were in our right. rundown of all the games. Dragon Quest Five. So you have different bride choices, right? That's a big selling point for the game. Yeah. And for me, Deborah. Okay, we got to talk about Deborah. She's a choice starting in the with the DS version of the mm-hmm. game. And she's pretty tough. She's a pretty no-nonsense, tough lady. And so I would say she kind of fits that archetype as well as Bianca because Bianca's pretty. Bianca fits the archetype, I think, a little bit better because, I mean, you know, she's been out on her own. She's not just like this daughter of a rich guy, you know. She's like been out on her own, has wilderness experiences and all these other right. stuff. I mean, she's like this hunter. So Bianca, I think, fits that as well. You still have to, you know, rescue your wife at, later in the game just because of it being a plot point. Right. But, but I would still say Bianca and Deborah kind of fit into that, whereas Nira doesn't. Because Nira is more about taking care of the hero mm-hmm. and everything like that. and It's kind of more of like the, the white mage healer <laughs> priest yeah. type character. I just think it's interesting that when looking kind of at your bride options, like of those three, two of them kind of work, but one of them just really doesn't at all.
0: And Bianca, I agree. Like Bianca's the one that feels like she would be the uh, the strong woman warrior character, that kind of hunter. Whereas even
1: Deborah, Debra,
0: yeah, I was going to say D- Diana, but it's not. Uh, even Deborah feels almost like that kind of temptress and sorceress to me. Like just the way that she's drawn, the way that she acts a little bit is that almost haughty, kind of character yeah where she's strong but it doesn't feel like that warrior archetype whereas bianca is that tough as nails not take no crap kind of person
1: yeah i mean yeah of the three i would definitely say bianca is the one that fits the archetype the best then you have dq6 you have millie and ashlyn they're both pretty tough but I wouldn't really say either one of them fits into that archetype because Millie joins you early on and stays with you. She can handle her own. It's kind of the princess of Moonbrook kind of thing, where despite being a tough character, she's still that healer caretaker. Right. There's vocations in DQ6. So once you unlock vocations in DQ6, you can kind of make the characters any way you want, but those Mm -hmm. characters still have predispositions. So like Millie feels more like a healer, not... Not as much as Nevin does. Nevin, he's definitely even more of a healer. So, But Millie is there. And then you have Ashlyn, who, who's really strong. But I wouldn't necessarily say either one of them fit the woman warrior archetype. Would no. you agree with that? I mean, you haven't played six. but I don't
0: know those characters through six, though. So I can't really even say.
1: Okay, I gotcha. I just, because I don't think we said this, but it's important to establish. There's a difference between being tough and fitting the woman warrior. Right. Right. Just because, just because you're tough and a lady doesn't mean you necessarily fit into that archetype. It's kind of what role you feel within the party and within the story and everything else. Mm -hmm. And so if I had to choose one of them, I would say Ashlyn, just because so much of Ashlyn's story deals with trying to like save her world and all of this other stuff. I don't want to get too far into spoilers with DQ six because you haven't played it. And we haven't really done episodes on it yet, so. But I would say maybe Ashlyn if I had to choose between the two. Mm. We're about halfway through the episode here, which means it is time for some shameless self-promotion.
0: Ding 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 shameless. Ding 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 ding
1: promotion. <laughs> So we do have a Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com slash dragonquestfm if you want to join our Patreon community. And just a quick shout out and thank you to all of our current patrons because we appreciate all of you guys. We also are on Amazon podcast now, which uh, is something I'll let BJ tell you about because I didn't even know about it.
0: Uh, Amazon has podcasts now, uh, that is a new platform. It's like Spotify. Uh, so if you use Amazon music or anything like that, you can now listen to us that way. Uh, You can listen to Dragon Quest FM on there. You just search for Dragon Quest FM, uh, and also listen to my other podcast, the Geek to Geek podcast, which is also on Amazon podcasts.
1: Yeah. So, and if you do, please leave a review. If you listen to it on Amazon Podcasts or wherever you're listening to it, if you haven't left a review already, I mean, reviews really help. Especially on something like Amazon, with it being so new, a podcast that has reviews and stuff going in is really a great way to expose it to other people. So if you love this podcast the way we love you, please just take the time to leave a little review and let people know that they should check out Dragon Quest FM.
0: It's true. It helps a lot.
1: Also, we're doing this ongoing thing with Dragon Quest 7. It's called the Dragon Quest Play Along, and we're partnering up with our friends over at the Nurburg Review. We talked about this a lot last week, too. Uh, you can actually find an entire write-up. We forgot to mention this last week, but an entire write-up about what all we're going to be doing with it over on the Geek to Geek Media site, and I believe you can find it through DragonQuestAustin.com as well, where it's kind of outlining our plans for it. I'm going to be talking about Dragon Warrior Seven, the PS1 version, on my other podcast, JRPGs and Me. Todd and Alinzia are going to be talking about DQ7 on Nerdberg Review. We're going to be playing all playing it for like the next three months. We want you guys to play along with us. Share your progress with us on Twitter. That's at Dragon Quest FM and at Nerdberg Review. Let us all know what you're going to be doing, how you're making progress through the game, maybe some of your favorite parts of 7, all that good stuff. We'd love to hear from you. It's going to be a ton of fun. And then closer towards the end of the year, after we've all had time to play Dragon Quest 7, it's a long game, you know, so we need a couple months.
0: It's very long, yes. Uh,
1: we're going to cap everything off by doing a bunch of deep dive episodes on Dragon Quest 7 here on Dragon Quest FM, kind of like we did with DQ4 and DQ9. So uh, that's going to be an ongoing thing. We encourage you guys to check that out and play Dragon Quest 7 with us.
0: And let us know, tag us on everything and tag the Nerdberg Review, who is also uh, going along with it. So uh, make sure you tell us on Twitter or wherever you are what's going on.
1: Yeah. So speaking of Dragon Quest 7, that's where we were next in our discussion here about woman Warriors. Gotta talk about Maribel. I mentioned her last week because I said that uh, you mentioned her at, as a BFF and I said right. that she fit better as as a woman warrior. Yes, she's super tough. I mean, Maribel is one of the toughest female characters in a Dragon Quest game. But it's also just that she she doesn't really I mean, I can't think of, of a time in Seven that she kind of becomes a damsel in distress. You all take turns rescuing each other. Right. But it's not ever like it's just like oh man, I constantly have to save this girl, kind of like in uh, Chrono Trigger. (laughs) Yeah,
0: like Marl is super, super tough. Like she is absolutely the woman warrior, but she gets into some some really weird damsel in distress moments. But with Maribel, like here's some spoilers, y'all. We're going to be spoilers for just a couple of minutes. I know she leaves your party at one point, and I haven't gotten to that point. Uh, So like, is it because she needs rescuing that you can get her back? Or uh, how does she come back into the party and how does she leave?
1: Okay, it's basically just a narrative uh, choice to let Ash be in your party. Oh, okay. So Maribel is forced to like stay home and take care of like her... I think it's her dad's sick. Uh, oh. she, anyway, she's home. She's forced to stay at home, take care of her family, and so everybody else has to go away. But, I mean, you can... It's not like Kiefer where you don't get her back. You have the option to get her back. You can right. At a certain point in the game, you can go back to her house, talk to her again, and she'll be like, oh, yeah, everything's getting better. I, I'll join you again.
0: Okay, because I actually didn't know, and I hadn't gotten quite to that point yet, even though I'm like within an hour or two of it, where I, I think at least, where I would uh, get Ash, and uh, I was just like, I can't, I don't know how that actually plays out, so I was curious.
1: Yeah, you, Dragon Quest Seven though, you do meet several NPCs along the way that would fit into that archetype. Mm-hmm. Even the very first world you visit, or island I guess you visit, is... Uh, Mauve, I guess, is how you pronounce her name. Mave, however, you want to pronounce her name.
0: I don't remember how it's spelled. If it, yeah, so I don't know. I was thinking it was Mave. Maybe it's Mauve. I don't know. Yeah. Either her way. on the first island, yeah. like that you go to in the past, she is great. Like, I wanted her to be in my party so much. Like, I didn't know, going into DQ7, I didn't know the complete cast. Like, I had not looked it up when I first started playing it, because it was really early uh, when I first started playing it and playing DQ games. And I really thought she was going to be a member of my party, and I was totally sad when she wasn't.
1: And then you have Ash. You have Ash, who who you haven't met yet. Mm -mm. But Ash, I would say, fits in to the woman warrior i mean if even if you look her up right now you'll see based on her attire and everything she's kind of got like a a knightly Mm -hmm. looking uh outfit on and everything i mean she's definitely tough dragon quest 7 has some tough ladies in it so i i think ash fits into that archetype as well i think the problem my problem i guess with ash just as a character overall is that you get her so late in the game right And at that point I'd already gotten so used to playing with the other characters that it's easy to switch her out. And that's what I, that's what, that's what I did. It's like, instead of sticking with her and trying to get up all of her vocations, my other characters usually have better vocations leveled up and everything at that point. So it's like, okay, why should I keep Ash around once she's not a necessity to my party, even though it's not necessarily a, Problem with just her character. It's just because I'm that way about any games that introduce a character that late in a story.
0: Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's always something that I don't understand. I understand it in terms of the narrative, but with gameplay, if they're not, you know, automatically caught up, I'm probably not going to play with them.
1: Yeah, Dragon Quest Eight has a couple of ladies in it as well. If you're playing the original version, uh, there's Jessica. Mm-hmm. Here, here's a discussion for us: Is does she fit that archetype? Is because I think you've even mentioned this on the show before is because she's really tough. She's a, she's a very tough person and she she gets super sexualized in the game though and it doesn't even and it doesn't match her personality
0: at all. No, it doesn't. It's like I was when I was playing through and like all of the puff puff and and you know seduction moves, I was like this just doesn't fit. Like I feel the same way about Jade actually with all of the uh, like butt bumps and stuff like that. Like I just don't feel it. Like, I don't see those kinds of moves on these characters
1: Yeah, I, I, based on
0: their personalities.
1: Based on the personalities that they're given. Yeah, that's the thing, is that it's based on their per- the personalities the game gives them. And so it's just kind of like, okay, we have a female character, so we have to give her this set list of moves. Mm-hmm. And for me, though, Jessica, even though she is tough, she doesn't necessarily fit that archetype so much. No. Because you have to save her i mean she gets possessed i guess spoiler Mm -hmm. for dragon quest 8 she gets possessed there for a while Was it like two-thirds of the way into the game
0: probably yeah
1: yeah and so i think i think she doesn't really fit that archetype because of those reasons but then you have red who was not playable in the original version but then you can play on the 3ds version she's there she's a playable character and she's in, she's in the original, but she's just not playable. And she is, I would say, definitely fits into that archetype. I mean, she is a tough pirate lady that has her own crew that she bosses mm-hmm. around. Yangus is terrified of her because, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, she's so tough and so not, no nonsense about everything. And she she's very strong. She doesn't need to be rescued. She's always there. And she fits into that archetype much better.
0: Yeah, I would. Quest I would definitely say that uh, she that Red would be the one that fit into the the woman warrior archetype more than Jessica.
1: Even though she joins your party on the 3DS version, and
0: BJ didn't even notice. <laughs> I I either didn't notice. I still don't think I got her. Like I need to load it up at some point and see uh, no, I mean, if, I, if it's on that.
1: I even looked it up when we were talking about it that time. It's been a few months, but I even looked it up, and there's no way to avoid it. She's oh. not optional like Mori.
0: I don't know. I I think she's optional.
1: No, man. I don't think I got her. It's in the Pirate Cove dungeon. I don't know. I gotta see. Yeah, anyway. So I think think red fits the archetype. I think Jessica does not. Uh, And again, it kind of goes back to tough doesn't necessarily mean that you fit into that archetype. Right. So DQ9, I guess it's you if you choose to be a lady. I chose to be a lady. I was a paladin for most of that game. So I was a woman warrior. (laughs) Uh,
0: I actually had a uh, woman paladin in my party. Uh, Saren was my... uh... Uh my paladin and uh she was a priest, moved into paladin, got a lot, bunch of stuff. Like, so I made sure that she was that character, the character from my book. And so that's what I wanted her to play. Um, but I didn't actually like uh I wanted to play as as a, a female character as my main character, but I'd restarted the game back and forth enough from the Japanese version. I'd emulated a little bit and started it. And uh when I finally got down to playing it through in the English uh 3DS version. I chose a dude who had Goku hair instead of a, a female, uh, and I went with the model I like for women uh, as a, one of my characters uh, that stayed with me the entire game. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely wanted that archetype in my party.
1: And then you have Dragon Quest Ten, which, again, like we mentioned last week, it's an MMO, so it's kind of like uh, you know whoever is in your party is probably real players. But the game does have at least one. I haven't played through all five versions of the game, but at least uh, on Lucia, who knows what she'll be called if it ever gets localized here. But, uh, but on Lucia and Lucia, however you want to say it, in version 2.0, I would definitely say fits that archetype. And it's a progression, you know? It's almost like a Joan of Arc type story. When you first meet her, she's just she seems like this common peasant girl in this village. I don't think I'm spoiling anything here, so I'm going to mention it because if you've seen the cover to 2.0, You know, it shows her in like the knight's attire Mm -hmm. with the the sword pointed out. So I don't think it's a spoiler, you know, to say that she, you know, becomes this warrior. So so to me, she definitely would fit into that woman warrior archetype. It's very much a Joan of Arc kind of uh, origin story. That builds up over time, and it's and part of that is the, it's the nature of the MMO, you know, with the, them always needing like new ways to update and change characters and things like that. But
0: I got you because I know nothing about the NPCs in that game. So cool.
1: Yeah, well, you saw her when I was playing uh, when I was yeah. up there in June. I played DQ10 and showed you like some of the stuff in two. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, but I mean, I don't know her as a character or anything. Like I don't, I didn't see the progression. Like I've seen the art, and so she was the one who came to mind just because I've seen the art.
1: Yeah, she was the one. You've seen her character, though, and me playing it. She's the one with the little boy, and I was going through, remember? It was like a, a autumn-looking town, little village. No. You remember that? All right, no. Well, you remember nothing. I should have known I better. I don't. I yeah, should have yeah. known better. As soon as I said remember, I was like, he's going to say no. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't remember anything.
1: So, Dragon Quest Eleven, Jade.
0: Yeah. Jade.
1: Does she fit this archetype?
0: I think so yeah she is undoubtedly a a strong woman warrior like she is definitely within that archetype which is why I don't like that you have to go in and rescue her from getting in like and becoming like a uh like a sex slave kind of thing like I don't I don't like it like that does not fit that character I don't think that uh that it is I don't think it's respectful of the character they built
1: no that makes sense it's kind of the Princess Leia Gold Bikini thing.
0: Yeah. It is not respectful of the character they built.
1: Yeah. Not to say I didn't appreciate it when I was seven years old. Correct. But as an adult man, I'm like, eh, that hasn't aged well. <laughs> Why did they do that? Yeah, and, now, and
0: that's kind of the way I feel about the Jade getting uh getting turned into a bunny girl. It's like, nah, nah, that 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 ain't Jade. Jade Jade kicks demons' butts.
1: The thing is is that it doesn't make sense from a narrative standpoint because of her personality. And I do think that they explained it a little bit better uh, in the new side content that's Mm -hmm. available in 11S. They explain it a little bit better because then it's more like, okay, she's still tough. She's sacrificing herself to save these people. So I think that makes it a little bit better. And maybe that's why they added it in because they realized that just the way it is in the vanilla version of 11, it doesn't make sense from it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense from a narrative standpoint because you're just like when you get there in 11, it's just like, man, Jade wouldn't have like fallen for this. She's smarter and tougher than that. Yeah. And so I, I really think that's probably why they focus that part of her story with that is to kind of explain that better and try to have it make more sense.
0: And even then, I don't like the, I don't like the hypersexualization of female characters anyway. Like Jessica and Jade, that's not something that I would much prefer having. Someone like Anlucia, who is a knight in armor, or Ash, who really doesn't feel like she's been completely sexualized. Like uh, as much as I like Jade and all the outfits and stuff, I, I like Elena's outfits better. Like Elena looks cooler to me than Jade does. Yeah. Like in terms of just what the uh, character looks like. Oh, really? Uh, yeah.
1: I really like Jade's characters. I like the green. Uh, I, I really like the martial artist outfit. In D- it's kind of like how you are with priest stuff. Right. I yeah. like the martial artist outfit in Dragon Quest games. Um. I get and that. And so, I also, for some reason, I don't know why I like green. Like green and purple on characters. Uh, like if you ever look at the characters you can create. Uh, oh yeah, I'm, other Dragon Quest games. They ha- it's always green and purple are like two of the biggest things, which is probably why I like the luminaries' character design a lot too.
0: <laughs> it's true. I use green and purple as my predominant ca- colors when I make stuff too, so I get yeah. it.
1: So then you have Serena, who's definitely more of that caretaker nurse mm. role, but then you have Veronica. So Veronica is tough. I mean she she's arguably the toughest of the three, but
0: but she doesn't fit the the archetype. She doesn't fit the warrior archetype. The the tough as she's tough as nails, but she's not the uh the go out and completely take care of business by beating something in the face.
1: She doesn't have that kind of Joan of Arc, okay, I'm leading like 10,000 warriors into combat on horseback kind of vibe.
0: Right. Where you can see Jade waving her hand and leading an army, you see Veronica yelling at the other commander.
1: Yeah, you see Veronica just kind of waltzing up and throwing a fireball at his face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree uh, that Veronica, despite being tough, I don't see fitting into that archetype very much either. Before we end here, though, I do want to mention one thing because we've mentioned it on other shows, is Dragon Quest Twelve. We don't know anything about Dragon Quest Twelve at this point other than it's in development. You and I though have both expressed a desire to see a woman as the lead in right. Dragon Quest 12.
0: by default by default yeah the... just
1: the Canon character is a woman. It's like the luminary. you can't change it. It's kind of like lightning in Final Fantasy 13. Yeah, it's, it's not changeable.
0: Who is also a woman warrior? Lightning is awesome.
1: yeah, just gonna throw that out there that that again, I, I'm really hoping that 12 kind of does some unexpected things in the series. And that's one of those things that I feel like is long overdue in a Dragon Quest game, is having a canon female character like that.
0: Because mm-hmm. as we mentioned before, like the the female Urdric was really important to people. And I think that, especially right now in the cultural climate we are worldwide, I think that we could get a lot of attention on Dragon Quest by having a fantastic narrative based around a female warrior. Yeah, me too. I don't think Final Fantasy 13, uh, was came at the right time. I think DQ-12 could.
1: Yeah, I agree with that as well. So thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. Remember, you can talk to us on Twitter at DragonQuestFM, Facebook.com slash DragonQuestFM, on Patreon at Patreon.com slash DragonQuestFM. If you want to talk to me personally, you can do that. I'm on Twitter at DragonQuestin. I have a regular Dragon Quest blog. You can find that at DragonQuestAustin.com, and I have another podcast, it's called JRPGs and Me, so you should definitely give that a listen as well.
0: And I am on Twitter as at Professor Beege. I have another podcast called the geek to geek Podcast that you can find wherever podcasts are sold, and you can talk to us on Discord and Slack at Geek2GeekMedia.com, uh, where you can also find all of the other cool content on our network, video game reviews, other podcasts, we've just got a ton of stuff, y'all, go check it out.
1: Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye, all.